And let's take our Bibles. We will turn to Philippians chapter 1, the passage that we read in the Scripture reading this morning, verses 12 through the first part of verse 18. Now, we've called this series that we're doing Getting Your Mind Right. And really, that is something that Paul addresses multiple times as we go through the book of Philippians, getting our mind right. And what we want to get our mind right about this morning is serving God. The Apostle Paul writes at length in many of his letters to so many of the churches his perspective on what it is to serve God. And he's not doing that so people will look at him and say, oh, Paul is so wonderful, so awesome, so great. He's doing it because it's an example for all of us to follow. How should we view serving God? There's a misconception that often people have in going into serving God, and that misconception is this. If I'm in the will of God, then everything will go smoothly. Everything's going to work out just fine. In fact, I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do when things are easy. I would submit to you that that is a very unbiblical idea. And when we look in Scripture, throughout Scripture, we find that quite the opposite is often the case. When we are doing what God calls us to do, where God sends us to go, we go right into the storm. We find that serving God can be difficult. In fact, more often than not, it is difficult. But it develops within us character, stability, strength, Dependence on God. The writer of Hebrews described people who faced difficulty as they reflect in Hebrews chapter 11 on really the Christian hall of fame, people who were serving God. And listen to this summary that the writer of Hebrews gives us. Others were mocked and flogged and even chained and imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God has provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be completed. So the idea is, sometimes when we serve God, we don't always see the answers. We don't always see why we're in difficult times, why we're facing such hard situations. But here's one thing that we do know. God is in it. And my perspective about God being in it will determine whether I succeed or fail as I face the challenges of life. So that's what I want us to think about this morning. Now, as we come to this 12th verse, we find Paul start to address an important concept. The purpose of God can lead us into difficult circumstances. We remember when we went through the book of Acts that the Apostle Paul was planning on working in one region. God redirected him to the region of Philippi. He was following a direct command from God to go to Philippi, and yet, what do we find? 
We find that Paul was beaten, he was thrown in jail, and it sort of went downhill from there as he continued to serve in that region. Persecution followed him and dogged him as he was serving God. What Paul came to understand was things don't always work out the way I think they will, but they're always working out according to God's purpose and God's plans. And listen, the priorities that we have will determine how we view our circumstances. Let me repeat that because it's important. The priorities that I have in place will determine how I view my circumstances. So let's look at this 12th verse and let's see what Paul says. Paul says to the Philippians, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, what he's saying to them is this. The situation that I'm in, and bear in mind, as Paul writes this, he's writing from prison, chained to a guard. And so what he's saying is this. The circumstances that I'm in, the things that I've experienced, these have brought me to the place to where I can more effectively advance the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but when things don't go right, according to my definition, I get frustrated, I fuss, I complain, I wonder what's going on, is this trip necessary, why is this happening to me? And I get real aggravated. Why? When I really boil it down, you know why? Because my priorities in that moment are me-oriented. I'm not stopping and looking and saying, what purpose does God have in this situation that I'm experiencing? When Paul says in this text, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, there's a lot entailed in that little phrase, what has happened to me. A.T. Robertson, a Greek scholar, wrote the following, Paul included All the events from his imprisonment at Jerusalem through the imprisonment at Rome. There was a riot, a two-year imprisonment in Caesarea, an appeal to Caesar, the threat on his life, a trip to Rome with a shipwreck, his house arrest, his restricted freedom, and the impending trial. Paul was able to say, all of those things that happened to me have served to advance the gospel. So rather than looking at himself and saying, woe is me, he looked at all of these situations as a chance to advance the gospel of God. And when Paul says here in this 12th verse that it was to advance the gospel, what does he mean? The sense of the word advance in the original language has this idea, blazing a trail for an army. In other words, it's moving into areas and places and times that are difficult, where you're breaking the ground, where you're cutting the trail. This is the way he viewed his life, that if I, through these difficulties can serve God and accomplish His purpose and bring the gospel to people who need to hear it, 
And I'm on board with that. Had Paul been committed to personal comfort, had Paul been committed to self-advancement, he would have abandoned the gospel. But he stayed true to the gospel as his priority. And that gave him the opportunity to take difficult situations and rather than viewing them as obstacles, view them as opportunities. And that's what the Word of God wants to impress on us this morning. Are you finding obstacles? Are you finding situations in your life that seem to keep you from doing what you think God wants you to do? Rather than looking at those obstacles as obstacles, be open to what God opens to you to serve Him in that moment. Maybe you're in a dead-end job this morning, and you're saying, this job is going nowhere. I hate this. Why am I doing this? Do you realize that God could take you right where you are and use you as a way to share the gospel, even without your words, by the conduct of your life? You could be speaking to people. God has you there in that moment for a purpose. And really, that's something I draw from this text, from this passage. God places us where we are with purpose. My responsibility, discover that purpose and live according to the priorities of God, not my own priority. Paul had learned to do that. So he was able to navigate a very difficult time in his life. As we come to the 13th verse, we find another principle. Perseverance through trials brings praise to God. Look at verse 13. Now here is Paul chained to a guard at all times under house arrest. And he says this, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now, Paul was in a situation where his freedoms were extremely limited. He's chained to a guard. He's in prison. Some might look at that and say, you know what, my opportunity for the gospel has just been short-circuited. I can't share the gospel where I am. Wrong. You know what happened with Paul? He was a captive, but he also had a captive audience. You're chained to, chained to this guy. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to evangelize. He's going to share. He had the opportunity to go before an elite guard that he would not have had access to were he not under house arrest. The Praetorian guard was an elite guard, a palace guard. You don't walk into the palace and say, hey, I'd like to share the gospel with you. He was sharing with kings and princes and governors that he wouldn't have had access to were he not on trial. And the book of Acts records a testimony that is given that is awesome. All because of this obstacle that was in reality an opportunity. 
You know, as I look at this text, I wonder how many times I look at situations and say, I'm trapped. I can't share the gospel. When I graduated from seminary, for eight months, Paula and I, along with our firstborn son, Ryan, and a son on the way, Robbie, moved into my parents' basement. And we lived there for about a year. And I worked in a warehouse loading pallets and counting boxes. And you know what my immediate response was? Four years of college, four years of graduate school to count boxes. And I have to say, for the first month or two, I wondered, what is the purpose and the plan of God in this? How can this be good? Do you know what I discovered? There in the warehouse was a mission field. And as you're driving around on the little pallet movers and taking breaks, you can share the gospel. I don't know whether or not any of them came to Christ, but I shared it. And God could use that as a seed. I was able to serve in a church and there were young people that were going through a difficult time in their lives and I was able to share and minister to them. I had one of the moms of one of the girls come up to me one time and said, you're a godsend. You have no idea what you've done to influence my daughter. And I was shocked because she looked totally bored as I was ministering to her. There were guys that I was able to disciple for that year and pour my life into. And you know what I learned? Serve God where you are. Be faithful in the place that God has placed you. This is what Paul was doing. As he was chained to these guards, he shared the gospel. Rather than looking at what we're doing and saying, why? What purpose is there in this? We need to look at it and say, I will be faithful where you have placed me, God. Because you are my priority, not me. That's what Paul did, and that's why he could look at this. And look at the outcome of this. As we come to the 14th verse, we find that our pattern of trusting God can and will inspire others. Look at verse 14. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. See, not only did Paul have a ministry to the palace guard, the governors, the kings that he was coming before, but his testimony of faithfulness had an impact on the church of Jesus Christ. Something we need to remember is this, people are watching us. And when we set a good example, it emboldens them to serve God. That's one of the reasons we have a church community. And that's one of the reasons it's important that I show faithfulness and model it for other people because I never know how my faithfulness might touch another person. 
the example that I set of making it through the difficulty. It's amazing how unawares that is influencing somebody else in the choices they make and in the way that they live. Often, that's uncommunicated. We don't get to hear that until a funeral when people come and say, hey, guess what happened? (laughs) But we need to remember that we are an influence on other people. And here's what we should really remember. We're either a good influence or a lousy one. If I'm a bad influence, I can discourage just as much as a good influence can encourage. But what the Apostle Paul is saying in this text is this. Look, I have seen my misery, my incarceration, build confidence in the brothers in Christ that, that know what I'm going through. And as a result, it's inspiring them to share the gospel in a deeper and fuller way. And you know, this, this brings a question, I think, to all of us. What am I doing to intentionally inspire other people? Not so I draw the glory to me and say, how great I art, you know, or something like that. It's more so I can inspire them to live for Jesus Christ because, again, that is my priority. That is where I'm directing my life. And I want them to direct their lives there too. Scripture tells us that We're to consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is a part of what we do as a church community. This is why we come together to inspire one another toward love and good deeds. As we go on through this text, we find something else. The plans of God will unfold in spite of or through us. How do you like that? God's purpose is going to be accomplished. He can accomplish His purpose either in spite of me or through me. And let me let you in on a little secret. The goal is through me. I don't want at the end of my life saying, well, you know, I accomplished my purpose, but man, you threw a lot of blocks in the way that I had to go around you or in spite of you, I want to hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant. I find that verses 15 and 17 are some of the most surprising verses in all of Philippians. Look at what Paul says in verse 15 and What he shares with us is it is possible to preach Christ out of impure motives. Now, he says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. And then bounce down to the 17th verse. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What Paul is saying here is startling. There were people preaching Christ. Now, preaching Christ means they were preaching the right message. They were sharing the truth of God, but here's the fly in the ointment. 
although they were preaching Christ, they were doing it from impure motives. Their motives were envy and rivalry. How could somebody preach the gospel out of envy and rivalry? Again, it's misplaced priorities. If my goal in sharing the gospel is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and to see people brought to a saving knowledge of Him, then I have the right motive. But if my goal in sharing the gospel is for me to carve a few notches in my Bible for the number of souls that I've led to Jesus so I can hold it up and show everybody that I am a great evangelist, not the right motive. There was a competitiveness, apparently, that had set in with some. They were trying to compete with Paul, who was an apostle, a servant of God, one who is incarcerated for upholding the faith. But here comes this group, and they're saying, we're going to preach Christ. He deserves to be in jail. We are the true evangelists here. Come and follow us. Look at how great we are. I should never be competitive when it comes to the work of God. We should rejoice when we see the work of God go forward no matter where it is. I certainly should never look at another person's ministry and say I'm jealous because they're doing more than me. Shouldn't do it. The Apostle Paul is talking about a group here who was serving, yes, according to the flesh. The Spirit of God did not produce that competitiveness in them when it comes to sharing the gospel. And they were doing it to attack God's servant. You see, they felt as they continued to share the gospel and gain prominence that Paul would diminish and they would advance. And let me let you in on a secret about the ministry. The purpose of ministry is not to advance ourselves. It's to advance Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. And you know, in this fallen, broken world, The attitudes of this world can creep into our hearts and into our lives if we're not careful. We want to serve Christ from pure motives. We want to live according to His purpose, not our own. If I'm being competitive when it comes to ministry, I have allowed my flesh to usurp that purpose That should be directed toward God, and I'm directing it toward me. So there's a warning here for us. Don't just look at what you're doing. Look at why you're doing it. If I'm coming before the church and saying, I'm so humbled by the fact that I led five people to Christ this week, and I'm just thankful... Would you rejoice with me? 
There's a purpose behind that, right? Look at me. We need to be careful in that. And that's the warning I think we see right here in this text. But look, we see something else. We're to pursue working with godly servants, never against them. Here is Paul, imprisoned, an apostle, pointed directly by the Lord Jesus Christ to be a missionary to the Gentiles. And you know, there was also a group that was in Philippi who recognized that. Look at the last half of the 15th verse. Some were preaching Christ from envy and rivalry, but others, and that word others carries with it of another kind, but others from goodwill. And where in verse 16, he goes on to say, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The group that Paul lifts up as an example to us is a group of people who wanted to come alongside and teamwork with the Apostle Paul and with those who were serving alongside Paul because they loved the work of the ministry, they loved Jesus Christ, and they loved God's servants. And you know, that is what God wants us to do, to serve alongside one another. Not competing with one another, not seeing how many people we can get to follow us, but following God. Seeking Him above all else. The Apostle Paul talks about the fact that we will all give an account before God, not only of what we do, but why we do it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, No one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now, by what sort of work, what it means is, was it built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ? If the work anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. In other words, if what I do, I do on the foundation of Jesus Christ, God recognizes that and he rewards for it. However, if anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as one passing through the fire. Listen, when I stand before Jesus Christ, I don't want Jesus to say, you made it through the fire, but you accomplished nothing. I want God to say, you built what you did on the foundation of Jesus Christ. These are the people who were doing that. One final thought. The power of the gospel is the message and not the messenger. We come to verse 18, and look at Paul's response. Okay, he's in prison. He has a group that's nipping at his heels outside of prison, seeking to be his rival, trying to work against him, trying to undo what he had done in the church. How's he going to respond to that? I love the 18th verse. What then? 
Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I will rejoice. You know what Paul did? He released all of this to God. It wasn't a thing he could do about the motives and the intentions of people, especially as he's in jail. He can't address that. So rather than sitting there chained to a guard, stewing over all of this, he let it go. He released it to God. He said, this is out of my hands. The way I'm going to look at it is, this is God's ministry, God's purpose, God's work. And if they don't have the right motives, that's between them and God. At least the gospel is being proclaimed. And here's the beauty of the gospel. It's not the messenger, it's the message. It's the truth of God that the Holy Spirit takes and works on the hearts of men. We've seen this verse several times as we've been going through these first chapters, but it bears repeating. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So as these rivals are preaching Christ, it's the power of the message that wins hearts, not their personality, not their motive. And you know, I've discovered there are many things in ministry where we have to take this approach. We serve God. I can't control the motives or the attitudes or the ideas of other people. But as long as the purposes of God are being accomplished, in that I will rejoice. You know what we need to do? Hold our ministry with an open hand and say, God, I'm here to serve you. Do with it what you will. That's the way we approach God. That's the way we approach ministry. This morning, we've seen the importance of taking whatever situation we're in and being faithful where we are. Letting God use us to carry His unique message, which is the power of God unto salvation, to touch the hearts and lives of people around us. As I look out on the congregation, I see a lot of people in a lot of different situations that I'm familiar with. Some of you are facing challenges, difficulties, and struggles that hurt. And you're wondering, how can God use me? How can God take my life and make it a blessing to others, and make it a witness to others. And the answer from that passage of Scripture is, He absolutely can take your life and do that. Be faithful where you are. Serve God in the circumstances you are in. And allow God to do His work. And where there are human obstacles in the way, release them to God and keep going. Let God do His work through you. Let's pray.